All right, open your Bibles with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Continuing our study on how to study the Bible. How to study the Bible. And I thought it would be a good idea to, you know, we've been looking at some technical things. But today, I want us to look at the instruction that Christ gave us on how to uh, receive the words of God. How many of you think it's a good idea for Jesus to teach us? Is that a pretty good idea? We're Christians. And so, I I want us to look at this, and I I really do hope that the Lord will speak to you. I'll be leaving this afternoon, heading to Alabama. We are doing... um, an expository preaching clinic, bringing preachers in, teaching on how to preach. And what they've asked me to do is believing the Bible that you preach, believing the Bible that you preach. And so uh, you are getting a, a kind of a thinned down version of what I'm doing there. Can I just tell you something? Studying this text helped me so much. You know, I'm spending so much time, you know, I'm teaching the college class on biblical preservation right now, and I'm spending so much time in scholars, you know, reading on textual criticism and reading all these different things. And to step away from that and just dive into the Gospel of John, can I tell you something? John is better than the scholars. It's so fun. So let's look at this text, let's read it together, and let's get some things from the Lord today from it. John chapter 5, look at verse 39. So remember, Jesus has been doing his miracles, and the the Jewish leaders don't like it. So we have people today, religious people today, uh, secularly religious, that their religion is their secularism, and they'd say, you know, what would it take to believe? Well, if God wrote my name in the sky, I would believe. No, you wouldn't. When Jesus Christ raised Lazarus from the dead, did the people that saw Lazarus, after he had been dead for four days, did they believe? No. No. Belief is a matter of the heart. Right? Unbelief is never an intellectual problem. It's always a spiritual problem. So now Jesus is addressing these people, these religious leaders, and look at verse 39. Search the scriptures for in... Now, okay, let's stop right there. So I made it through three words. How many of you think Jesus believed they had the Scriptures? He wasn't telling them to do something that was impossible. God had preserved his words to this point so that Jesus could point these leaders to them. All right? So verse 39, search the Scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me. For he wrote of me. 
But if you believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? If you believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Lord, please help us. There's so much that could be discussed and taught and revealed from this text. Father, in just a few minutes that we have, I pray that we'll get a a better understanding of, of your mind on these things. In Jesus' name, amen. If we're going to study the Bible, if we're going to really have God's mind on this subject, which is vital for us, if we're really going to have his mind, we must begin in humility. We must begin in humility. Look at what it says in verse 44. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another? So in this whole area of Bible study, um, I have a quote from my Bible software, Logos Bible software, and it's talking about how to use a Greek apparatus. And if I'm being honest, I didn't know what a Greek apparatus was. I didn't know if we had a Greek jungle gym in there, or I, I didn't know what it was. And what it is, it's a, a, a Greek apparatus is you have a Greek text, and then somewhere in the text at the bottom of the page or at the end of the book are, are variant readings, okay? So it's a critical apparatus. These are the tools that you'll use to determine what the text is. And so they cite a, a teacher named Gordon Fee, and Gordon Fee says that the first job of the exegete, so exegesis is teaching the meaning of a text, and that's what we're doing today. We're exegeting this passage. So the first step, or the first job of the exegete is to establish the text. Okay, that would be like saying, okay, before you come to church, all right, Isaiah, before you come to church, see, I've been picking on the teens, I've got to come over here. Before you come to church, I need you to build the building. Did you, did you build the building, or was it already here? The building is here, right? Uh, can I tell you something? Before I started studying this text, this was already here. Do you understand the profound arrogance of saying, well, young people, it's so good that you have me. Because without me, you wouldn't have a Bible. Because my job is to tell you what the Bible actually says. Because you don't have my level of education. You poor child. It's so good that you have me. Is that the creepiest, weirdest thing you've ever heard? And so they don't say this stuff out loud. You don't know that what the preacher is doing is he is going to, well, let me tell you what I think about this. God, um, here, I think you made a mistake here. Let me tell you exactly what this should read because (laughs) these poor people don't know. So if we're really going to hear from God, then we have to believe that we have a supernatural Bible given to us in a supernatural way through inspiration, right? Job 32.8, there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth him understanding. 
Inspiration gives the spirit of man understanding. It's God giving his words, God transferring his mind to men, and then those words are written down, and then God supernaturally preserves those words through the ages so that we can study them today. And you have to begin in humility. If you begin by believing that your scholarship is what will give people the word of God. That's not beginning in humility. Listen to what Abraham Booth said. Abraham Booth was a pastor in England. And in the 1700s, he wrote this. So he had to write out an essay for his own ordination about what he believed about the Bible. And so for his ordination, listen to what he wrote about the scriptures. The scriptures of the Old and New Testament containing a well-attested revelation from God, my maker and my sovereign, I therefore look upon and receive as the only rule of my faith and practice. This divine book, this heavenly volume, I accept with humility and gratitude from the hand of my adored creator as a gift of inestimable value. And considering it as the grand charter of my eternal salvation, I cannot but, I cannot but esteem it as my indispensable duty implicitly to submit to its sacred dictates in every affair of religious concernment. Wow. If that's his ordination, if he wrote that for his ordination, I'd better look for another job. That is such a wonderful statement, but notice the humility. That's the direct, God, thank you. I don't deserve this. I can't believe I have the very words of God that you've given me. Is that different than, okay, let's see what's real here. Okay, nah, I don't like that one. All right, yeah, nope, nope. So I can improve on that. If we're going to understand the Bible, we must begin in humility. That is the attitude necessary to properly exegete the Word of God. Last week, I read to you a a quote, or it might have been the week before, from Edward F. Hills. He wrote a book called Believing Bible Study. And that's kind of the heartbeat behind what I'm talking about today. If you want to know the Bible, if you really want to understand it, you've got to start by believing it. Right? That's where you have to start. And listen to what Hills said. The man who is well pleased with himself, with his prospects, and with his whole manner of life will never read the Bible believingly. His entire outlook must be changed before believing Bible study becomes possible. When we approach the Bible, we have to approach it in humility. God, I don't have the answers. That's why I'm coming to you. God, I don't know what to do. This world is a mess. My thinking is a mess. I think that I'm right. I need to show, I need you to show me where I'm wrong. Hold your place here in John. Go to Psalm 139. I know that you know this verse, Psalm 139. Look at verse 23. Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Try me 
Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. What is, what is David praying there? God, I don't know myself. I need you to reveal to me what's going on in me and how is God going to do that? He's not going to do it through some mystical thing. He's going to do it through the words of God. And so begin in humility. That's the attitude necessary to properly exegete the word. But let's go back to, to John chapter 5 and, and look at the contrast between what Jesus is saying and these, these scholars. Verse 44, how can ye believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? So, one of the problems that we run into when you approach the Bible in simple faith, and we're going to talk about that more in a second, is that is looked down on by modern scholarship. So, they want to begin with reason, begin with reason, and build your faith from reason. Well, you understand that is the negation of faith, right? It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. That's what faith is. And so the the problem with saying, okay, I just believe that God preserved it. I believe that I have it. I believe that God preserved it. When you have that simple faith, well, then you will not receive honor from other scholars, right? Have we seen that in the medical field during COVID? If you don't go along with the party line, then all of a sudden you're a quack. If, if you believe in something called natural immunity, you're crazy. What's wrong with you? That's What are you doing? What are you talking about, right? If you believe that viruses cannot be controlled, if that's what you believe, I've got this. I'm going to stop this virus. Okay, thank you, President. You did a really good job with that. Okay, go eat your oatmeal. It's when we run into these kinds of things where, where I want to give you the perfect example. When we look at the laws of physics and you have things like entropy. We know that everything tends from order to disorder, right? My face is tending from order to disorder. The jowls are happening. That, that's, I didn't used to be able to do that, okay? So what that is, that's entropy, right? The chest has moved a little lower. That's entropy. And we know that the whole world is that way. If you, if you park your Ford Pinto out in the, I'm old, I know. You park your Ford Pinto out in the driveway, wait 25 years, it doesn't become a Mercedes. Right? We understand that's the way the world works, unless you're an evolutionist. And then everything is getting better and everything is getting better, and we know that that doesn't work. And so when you try and talk to somebody who is invested in that world and you just try and bring some common sense to it, 
okay, you've got this elephant, and if his trunk isn't long enough, he dies. How many elephants died before the trunk was the right length? What, how, how did the survival of the fittest work there? What, what came first, your ability to eat or your ability to see? Well, if you can't see, then you can't eat. And if you can't eat, then you can't see. And you Just ask silly questions like that. <laughs> you see, you need me to teach you that it just took billions of years. Right? Time plus chance equals everything. And, and when you see that that doesn't work, it doesn't understand, it doesn't, it doesn't even fit with logic, and yet the educated people are saying that that's exactly the same problem that we have with this text issue. That the scholars, the educated people who buy into this particular philosophy, this particular way of thinking, they will never give you honor. You will never teach in a major Bible college. You will never teach in a seminary. You will never get published by the major publishing houses unless you tow the party line and you want to receive honor from others. And so then you as a church member, if you want to have faith, if you want to have confidence, you want to go to the next level. And so you go to the Christian bookstore or you order off of Amazon or whatever, and you get the latest scholarship. And now you find out, well, wait a minute, I don't really have the Bible. And now you've lost your confidence. And now you're not able to study the Bible. And this is all the same process that happens over and over and over again. When what we ought to do is pray like the psalmist did in Psalm 119, verse 18, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. See, this is spiritual work. It's spiritual work. Look at back in our, our text. Look at verse 39. Search the scriptures, for in them you think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and you will not come that ye might have life. This is a spiritual thing. The reason that people won't receive the word of God is they won't receive Jesus now, listen, I'm not saying that everyone who has a different position than we do on the text is lost. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is it is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual issue. Scholarship <laughs> scholarship is both necessary and wanting. Amen? But the Holy Spirit is both vital and indispensable. We do need scholars. We do need people who are willing to do the hard work. In my class, I'm having them read Dr. Vance's book, uh, King James, um, his Bible, and its translators. And I'm reading through it again, and I'm giving them reading questions as I read through it. And I realized I may have thrown these kids in the deep end. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm trying to give them some pointers at the beginning of each chapter on their reading questions to help them. And in this one chapter, he's writing about... Um, He's writing about John Boyce, one of the translators, John Boyce's notes. And what he does is he goes through, I don't know, 30 books on the history of the Bible, on the history of the translation of the English Bible, and he identifies which ones reference Boyce's notes and which ones don't. And what a shame it is that they don't. And if you actually picked one of those books up and read it, and then for him to read 30 or 40 on one particular little detail, that's when you find out the difference between you and a scholar. That's where I find the difference between myself. I can't do that. I can't do it. I am so thankful that God created Lawrence Vance and saved him, called him to do this work, and he makes that work available to knuckleheads like me. 
not many mighty, not many noble, but some of them are. Praise God. I'm glad we have those people and we need them. But you know what's much more important than that? How about the indwelling Holy Spirit of God? Because I don't know about you, I don't have the intellect of a Lawrence Vance. I don't, that's, God didn't create me that way. I mean, he's crazy smart. I, I'm just crazy. I, I don't have that, but I'm thankful that he did that. But you know what God did do? He did save me. He gave me the word of God. He gave me the Holy Spirit of God. And then he gave me teachers that taught me how to trust the Bible, how to compare the words, and how to grow in the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. So, begin in humility, number one. Number two, rooted in faith. Rooted in faith. Look at verse 46. For had ye believed Moses, you see they were not rooted in faith, they didn't believe. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Here's my question. Why are we ashamed of a faith-based view of preservation? So, um, obviously, I've, I've been in debates on this whole text issue. And here's what we're talking about. If you're here and you don't know what we're talking about. The King James translation of the Bible, it came from a certain uh, type of manuscripts, a certain text line All the other modern translations come from a different text line. There are a couple of others. The the MEV and the the New King James would claim to come from the same text line. I'm not going to go into those details right now. But, But for the most part, all modern translations come from a different text line. And they all are the result of a certain form of determining, a certain method of determining which text is correct and which text is not which manuscript is correct and which manuscript is not. We disagree on that philosophy. The the other side is a naturalistic philosophy. That is, that we're going to look at the Bible just like any other piece of ancient literature. We are beginning by saying they are the very words of God. You're dealing with different matter. You're dealing with different materials. So we are starting in a different place. So it's like this. Andy is an electrician. So Andy is going to approach electricity fearfully. I'm not an electrician. I got this. Who's going to end up worse off? Does that make sense? Why? Because we have a different understanding of what it is that we are working with. It's going to be different. And so, if I believe that I'm dealing with the words of God, then I'm going to include God in the process. As a matter of fact, I'm going to rely on him by faith. Without faith, it is impossible To please God. So back to our evolution uh, uh, illustration, analogy. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. By faith. Prove it. Okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, I don't believe that. I don't care. 
See, because the difference between you and me is we're dealing with different, with, with different matter. You believe in the beginning there was nothing and then it exploded. That's what you believe. That's science. Right? We believe that God did it. So begin in faith. You're, I'm sorry, you're, you're beginning in humility and, and you're, you're then rooted in faith. And what the Bible says is that preservation, the preserving, keeping the Bible pure, was the supernatural work of God. Now, 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Listen to what Paul says. Because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. When you believe it, it works. And let me put it this way. When you believe it, it works for you. When you don't believe it, it works against you. So let's go back to the electricity analogy. My belief in what electricity is or does, listen, electricity doesn't care. Electricity doesn't care what I think about it. You, you, you stick the key, right? All you kids did this, right? You stick the key in the outlet, you get shocked. And if you're a mean brother, you tell your little sister to try that. I would never have done that. Um, so, what does Jesus want us to do with the text? He wants us to believe it, to approach it in humility, to be rooted in faith. Again, notice what he says, John chapter 5. Look at what he says, verse 47. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? He was, he was actually, he believed that the writings of Moses, which were 2,000 years old at this point, were still available. That's what Jesus believed. So, let's go on. Number three. So, if, we're, if we begin in humility and we are rooted in faith, then we can proclaim the truth in confidence. See, the reason that we don't take a stand for Christ sometimes, the reason that we don't address error sometimes is that we're not confident in our understanding of the Bible, our ability to handle the Bible, which is why we're teaching this study. Now, this, this confidence, be confident in inspiration. What is inspiration? So just so you know, we're, we're not outside of standard evangelicalism. So here's the standard teaching of evangelicalism. Um, this is from the Portable Seminary from Baker. Before the middle of the 19th century, the church was unanimous in its views of inspiration. God gave the actual words of Scripture to its human authors so as to perpetuate unerringly his self-disclosure. That's what we believe. God gave them the very words that they were to write down. All right, here's another. Thus, according to the New Testament... The Old Testament prophets proclaimed a word initiated and controlled by the Holy Spirit. What they spoke was not merely their own thoughts or divine thoughts in their own words, but the words of God as they were impelled, the Greek, borne along by the Holy Spirit. Now, again, this is so funny. The Bible says as they were moved. 
what's a, what's a more understandable word? Impelled or moved? Isn't that interesting? And so when we understand that that's what the Holy Spirit did, this was the standard understanding of inspiration. So what, what this modern scientific movement had to do was they had to change that. So the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Is that what the Bible says? And just so you know, if you look up the Greek, that's exactly what the Bible says. But listen to the way the American Standard Version had to change that to undermine the authority of Scripture. Listen to what the American Standard Version says. Every Scripture inspired of God is also profitable for teaching. Not all Scripture is given by inspiration, but all of the Scripture that's inspired is profitable. Do you see how that little change changes everything? You see, if it's not all inspired, then I don't have to live by all of it. And then you need me to tell you which one's inspired or which one isn't. That's that Nicolaitanism that I don't have time to explain today. Um, So here's the question. Are you confident in the words that you're studying? Are you confident in the words that you are teaching? Folks, what Jesus Christ wants us to do is he wants us to come in faith. The Bible says being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. The Bible says that the gospel, the gospel, the gospel that saves us is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. It's a spiritual thing. It's a faith thing. And do we have scholarship on our side? Yes, we can win the scholarship argument. We can win the intellectual argument. That's not the problem. The issue is not that. The issue is, am I willing to submit myself to the scriptures? Am I willing to believe what it says and then do what it tells me to do? And that's my question to you. Are you willing to submit? Not to me. I'll mess you up every time. Are you willing to submit to the scripture? Are you willing to submit to the authority of God in your life? I heard this statement this week. I thought it was so good. The authority of the scriptures is not based on a verbal affirmation. I believe in the authority of scripture. The reality of that in your life is based on your submission and obedience to it. You see, at some point, Bob Jones Sr., he said, "Your, your, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. There's going to be a test on that later. It's so true. We make these statements. I believe the Bible is the word of God. Do we read it? I believe the Bible is the word of God. Do we trust it? I believe the Bible is the word of God. Do we study it? I believe the Bible is the word of God. Do we teach it? Do we tell others? See, if we just keep taking all the information in and then we don't give it out, what, what I think is, I don't know that we really believe what the Bible's saying or we'd be telling more people about Jesus. And I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. I just, we just need to be reminded, man, why aren't we telling more people about Christ? Because it's not real to us. 
Hell is real. Heaven is real. Death is real. The grave is real. It's all there. And if we believe what the Bible says, it will change us. It will change us. Let's all stand together. I want to read through this text one more time. Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And there are they which testify of me. Boy, Jesus Christ thought the Scriptures were important. And you will not come unto me that you might have life. If you haven't come to him that you might have life, come to him that you might have life. Trust in him, not your works. His death, burial, and resurrection. He says, I receive not honor from men. You're not going to get popular if you follow Christ. But I know you, that you have not the love of God in you. How does he know they don't have the love of God in them? Because the only way you can have the love of God in you is if the Holy Spirit of God is dwelling in you. That's the only way. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him he will receive. Antichrist is coming, folks. That's exactly what Jesus Christ is talking about. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another and seek not honor that cometh from God only. Are you looking for the world's approval or are you looking for God's approval? It's a tough deal. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Do you know what that is telling us? That gift of inestimable value that Abraham Booth wrote about, that, that I receive with humility from the hand of my adored creator. That gift, I am going to be held accountable for what I do with that gift. There's an accountability. Once truth is seen, it can't be unseen. We've heard some truth today. Are you approaching the Bible in humility? Are you needy? I need thee every hour. I need thee every hour. Lord, I need you. Speak, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Open my eyes. Search me and know my heart. Try me and know my ways. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, I need you. Approach it in humility. Rooted in faith. God, I believe your words. I believe these words that are right in front of me. I believe them. Teach me. Change me. And then proclaim it. Proclaim it in boldness. Proclaim it in confidence. Believe that you have it. Now, that will cause the reproach of man. And so if you're looking for the honor of men, you're not going to get it from God. Because the world hates him. And if the world loves your Jesus, it's because you've made him into something that he's not. Amen? Jesus said, hey, if they hate you, they hated me first. So let's just be godly people. But remember, don't have them hate you because you're a jerk. (laughs) You don't have love of God in your hearts. Our love for God and for his word, that'll change the way that we interact with the people out there. In our Sunday school hour, I was talking about it. You know, Jonah was asleep in the bottom of the boat while the other guys are praying to their gods and dying. And the, the, the ship's captain came to him and said, Arise, O sleeper. 
He was able, because he was out of the will of God, he was able to sleep while the people around him were dying. And I think many times because we are just not following what God has said, that we are asleep while the people around us are dying. If we really believe this, if we really believe it, it should change the way that we live out there. Amen? And I'm not going to give you any tearjerker story or you know try and get you to make some decision. God's told us what to do. Let's do it. Amen? And if you are not born again, that is, you've never asked Christ to save you. You've confessed your sin and said, Lord, I don't trust my baptism. I don't trust my works. I don't trust my church. I'm only trusting you as my Savior. Please save me. I acknowledge you as my Lord. I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. I believe that you're God. I believe in your death, burial, and resurrection. I believe that you did that for me. Save me today. If you've never done that, my goodness. You understand your accountability grows every time you hear that. Every time. Hell gets a little hotter. Every time you hear that statement and say no. Get saved. Get saved. You must be born again. Please get saved. It's real. It's true. Stop being stubborn. And then the rest of us, let's live it. Man, we're tired. I know the world's crazy. All kinds of stuff going on around us. Don't be distracted. God has given us a job to do, Grace Baptist. Amen? Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. We don't deserve anything. We don't, I, I can't believe you gave us this amazing book.